Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. This morning we're going to be reading from Luke 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name, holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Rexanne. Hey, everybody. My name is Steve, and uh, I am the pastor here at Genesis, and I'm going to co-sign Allie's uh, Taylor Swift endorsement big time. I'm an unapologetic T-Swift fan. And uh, thank you, Ivor, for such an amazing scripture reading earlier. That was so great, buddy. You did so good. Uh, Well, here we are in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. We finally hear from Mary. So excited about this one. So I want to quickly review the events that lead up to what is referred to as the Magnificat. Um, It's Mary's song, Mary's transcendent, amazing song, where we get a little glimpse into what she's feeling and how she's doing after the annunciation, the announcement that she's going to be the mother of Jesus, the Savior of the world. But before we get there, uh, Luke starts his gospel in in, uh, the first chapter by introducing us to a couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were, in verse 7, we read, getting on in years. (laughs) That's a nice way of saying they were old, yo. And uh, they were also unable to have children because we read, in verse 7, that Elizabeth was barren. So I want to start off with with an all-play question. All-play questions, if you're new around here, are designed to hear the voice of the chorus, not just the voice of the solo, because we we really believe we hear God better when we're all chipping in and chirping up. So uh, here's the all-play question. You can use the chat to answer or throw throw out a question, a new question, or another comment. What does it mean that Elizabeth was barren? 
What does it mean that Elizabeth was barren? Use the chat to answer. All right, Bob, couldn't give birth to children. Yes. Any other answers? She didn't have the ability to bring new life. Yes, thanks, Cassandra. Uh, Danny Cook, that her perceived value in that society was lessened. Yes. Uh, from Kirsty, had not yet given birth to children. Yes. Uh, we got an amen from Bob to Danny Cook. Um, from Kristen, she didn't get to participate in much of what women did or had in that society. Uh, Katie, why is the blame put on her? How do we know that she was barren and it wasn't Zechariah's fault? Well, Katie, because the Bible says so. <laughs> Just kidding. We'll get to that a little further, a little later. Uh, Mary, this was her story and her communal identity. Yes. Rajan, do we know that her husband was not barren? <laughs> you guys are so great. You do all my work for me. It's so wonderful. So this is a great example. When we read those three words, Elizabeth was barren. Uh, hi, Goodwin family. Oh, so good to see you guys. This is a great example of how biblical writers were constrained by the belief systems of their time. Can I get any amen? Doesn't mean the Bible was wrong. It just means that the only thing that biblical writers can do, like the, the writer of the Gospel of Luke, Luke, is to share what their belief systems were at that time. And at that time in the first century, if a couple couldn't have children, it was just automatically assumed that the woman was barren and it was her fault. That's just what everyone assumed. And so that's what her place was in that society. Her value was lessened. She did carry greater shame. She wasn't allowed to participate in much of what women participated in in those days. And she, even more than it was her fault, it was assumed that she did something wrong and that God was punishing her. And yes, it is rude uh, from the Granger folks. So, but when we read it in the 21st century, we read it and we can go, hmm, <laughs> scratch that beard. And we can say, I wonder what more to the story there might be than I don't, that I don't know. How might there be more to the story? Whenever you read something in the Bible that makes you go, hmm, it's an invitation for you to say, what more might I be missing out on? So uh, another great example of this is this is just a juicy little nugget, hashtag juicy little nugget from Exodus 4.24. So in Exodus 4, we're following the story of Moses. God has asked Moses to lead the children out of Israel. Moses has said, oh, I don't know if I want to do it. He's finally agreed. And then in Moses, 4, Moses in Exodus 4.24, we read this, on the way at a place where they spent the night, 
the Lord met Moses and tried to kill him. <laughs> Have you ever read that before? Has anyone ever read that before? Exit, look it up yourself. Exodus 4.24. This is after Moses agreed to do what God asked him to do. <laughs> On the way, at a place where they spent the night, the Lord met Moses and tried to kill him. Now, did God really want to kill Moses? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> but it's also possible, since this was written in the Bronze Age, that it was written with the perspective that the people had of gods in the Bronze Age, which, and even Yahweh, that they were, and Yahweh was, capricious. Uh, it was believed that gods killed people all the time. But, <laughs> sent a ninja assassin, Hannah, yes. But now that many of us in the 21st century have the luxury of reading the rest of the revelation that is called the Bible, we begin to see clearer and clearer the more we read that even though it includes the, the various odd references like God wanted to kill Moses. That overall, the Bible seems to be a record of how Yahweh is not a God like other gods. That's what we see when we can pull back and ask our questions and see that the revelation of God found in the Bible is progressive, that it progresses, that it's going somewhere, that what we understand at point A in the journey is limited. It's not as much as we can understand at point G in the journey or point R in the journey. Can I get an amen on this? Are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? It's so important when we read the Bible to understand that wherever we are at that fixed point in time, all we can understand is what we can understand, which is we're, we're constrained by our, uh, by our historical belief systems. Okay, and then incidentally, since this is Advent and all, the incarnation is the Christian belief that Jesus, the person of Jesus, finally and decisively shows us what God is like. And that's a beautiful thing. Okay, back to our story. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth finally do have a son, and that son's name is John the Baptist. Uh, that's the guy that I think Nate read about and so, so beautifully with a leather belt and it sounds like a, like a worship leader, like a contemporary worship leader, you know, maybe a white pants, leather belt. We're not sure, but he ate locusts and wild honey. He was different. He didn't follow his father's footsteps. He didn't become a priest. He was a prophet out in the wilderness and he preached a baptism of repentance. He prepared the way for the Messiah to come. So when we meet Mary, it's in verse 26 and Mary's probably 14 years old, maybe 15 because that's when women got married back then. Hello. Uh, and an angel, which is just called a messenger, visits her and announces that she's going to conceive a son, despite the fact that she is a virgin. She's never had sex with any man. And that her son would be the son of God, the savior of the world. And her response was, here I am. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be, a court, let it be with me 
according to your word. And this phrase, here am I, lots of different biblical characters utter it. It's called hineni in the Hebrew, and it just basically means, I don't know what this yes is going to lead to. I don't have any guarantees for my own safety, but I'm saying yes anyway. Hineni. It's a beautiful word. So uh, we have the enunciation. We have uh, Mary's response. But I don't want to rush past this. Everybody take a deep breath in. Let it out. Is the concept of a virgin birth hard to believe? Yes. <laughs> it is hard to believe. And I don't want to speed by that hard to believe-ness. So you hereby have, for whatever it's worth, at least my pastoral permission that it's okay if you have a hard time believing in the virgin birth. Perhaps the best you can do these days is to admit that it's possible. Let's all agree as a community that that is good enough, okay? <laughs> I don't wanna rush past that. So many times I've always heard that rush by and it's like, wow. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta sit on that one for a while. So uh, permission, okay, uh, Mary. So Mary, we read in verse thirty-nine. We're not even, by the way, we're not even to the the text of our day yet. So I hope, I hope you have the Vikings set on to DVR. Um, Mary went with haste, verse thirty-nine, uh, to her cousin Elizabeth's house and stayed with her for about three months. Now, finally, another all play question. Why did Mary go to Elizabeth's house? <laughs> Grangers are good. 325. Packers played 325. So the Grangers are fine to hang out here until at least 324. <laughs> Cassandra, maybe God chose Mary, a 15-year-old, to bear Jesus because she would be able to be more open to the idea. Yes, less stuck in her ways and more open to miracles. Ah, oh, I love it, Cassandra. Thank you. Thank you. So why did Mary go to Elizabeth's house? Elizabeth knew. Yes, Christine, thank you. Elizabeth knew what Mary was going through. Oh, Charles Goodwin to celebrate. Yes, yes. Maybe she did a dance party. What do you think, Charles? Perhaps. Uh, Allie, did her parents kick her out? I had that written down on my notes, Allie, like as a parenthetical question. Did they? They might have. We don't know. Danny Cook. She went, by the way, only, only me and Dan's mom can call Dan Danny, okay? That's, that's it. That's, that's, that's the law. Uh, she went to Elizabeth, Danny said, because she thought her cousin was one of the few that might believe what, she, what had happened to her since she had just been given a miracle of her own. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Bob, she may have been embarrassed by being pregnant, but not married and needed company. Yes. I love all these human responses, you know, isn't it great when we can take a biblical character and remind ourselves that she is, or he is human with all the human reactions that we would have had. Um, she could be stoned. Yeah, Becky. I mean, she, she was pregnant and I was out of wedlock. And by the way, uh, it's widely believed that Jesus was called a, uh, uh, a mamzer growing up, which basically means, and sorry, plug your ears, kids, but bastard. It means that he didn't have a, a, a father out of, um, from, from being married. And so, yeah, she could be stoned to hide her pregnancy, Elizabeth. Totally. 
Uh, I think this is from Kara. Elizabeth would make a great companion for upcoming journey. Spoiler alert for next week's sermon. Yeah, because Kara is preaching next week. Love it. Um, so I think all of those answers are right. Let's read um, when Elizabeth, when Mary came into the house, what Elizabeth did in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt or leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So I think, again, I think you're all right. She went there because she needed company. She went there because she needed someone who could maybe understand this transcendent thing that was happening to her. She needed to know that she wasn't crazy. She probably did need to get away from her community and the whispering, gossiping words. Probably all of those things, regardless. When we experience, let's, let's bring this particular to a universal. When you experience a transcendent thing, when God meets you in some way, when you have, when you take a trip to Israel, to Ireland, to wherever, and you are changed, um, you, you need someone to help you process that, don't you? I mean, we think we're supposed to do this by ourselves, somehow like with God and in our quiet times or something. But I think what Elizabeth and Mary teach us is that we, we, we really need support. We really need to share these experiences. And we, and it's like the, the, the voice of the chorus is better than the voice of the solo. The same is true when you have these transcendent experiences, right? So we're finally to the actual text that we're in today, the Magnificat, the song that Mary wrote. Um, and it starts with this in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Uh, I'm going to catch up here on the, on the comments. <laughs> Rajan <laughs> says, hi, Danny. Ah, uh, yes, I love that you have the, the tenacity, the temerity to say hi, Danny, when I clearly explain that only his mom and me could do that. <laughs> from Hannah, maybe she needed support from an ally and for excitement for Elizabeth, Yes. From Rebecca, we need a safe witness to a significant, maybe complicated moment in our life. Yes, pretty beautiful that these women were able to offer that to each other. Hashtag women are amazing. Thank you, Rebecca. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so when Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for God has looked with favor upon the loneliness of his servant. All play question. There's no right answers to this. I hope you know that by now. But what is Mary experiencing here? Remember, she's with Elizabeth. Elizabeth says, blessed are you and the fruit of your womb. She stays with her. And then she pours out this beautiful song. Um, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor upon the loneliness of his servant. What is she experiencing right there? What is she experiencing? What do these words mean for her? Bob, the fullness and reality of her calling. Yes. Uh, Becky, being seen. Oh, yes, yes. Or seed in. I mean, she kind of seed in. I mean, yeah, sure, that works. 
She's seen. What else, you guys? What is Mary experiencing? Well, as you're continuing to write your words, uh, your responses, um, Bob, morning sickness. Yeah, that's totally what she's experiencing. Probably, for sure. Um, she's experiencing life, Pam. Yes. Uh, Hannah, she's having a mystical experience. I think it's very, very possible. Uh, Kara, she's in a thin place. Yeah, this belief that where the heaven and earth meet in this very, very, where, where the thread in between them, the veil is lifted. Uh, from Mary, my wife, she's loved and chosen, included that which is lowest or darkest in her. Oh, she's loved and chosen, including that which is lowest or darkest in her. Think about that, you guys. Will, I think she also feels proud because she has seen. Yes. In the first century, you guys, people believed the poor and lowly, which Mary was, were poor and lowly because God was punishing them. That was the belief that they were all constrained to in their time. But here she says or sings that God, my Savior, has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. So there's a, uh, there's a Greek word here, and it's a great word, epiblepo. Everybody just, just I mean, you got to feel the joy of saying that out loud. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Epiblepo. 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 Say it 10 times fast. Epiblepo. It's so great. And it means to look upon or to gaze upon with favor, admiration, and respect. Whew. And, um, Yes, Danny, Greek, not Hebrew. We'll get to Hebrew soon. Um, from Jonah, Tamez, the reality of the fact that God really doesn't make his choices based on status. Yes, yes, yes. And Hannah, it is the ultimate worship song. Reagan, wait, I think Colin speaks Greek. <laughs> I thought it was just other epiblepo, epiblepo. <laughs> so great. So um, this word epiblepo, when transliterated back to the Hebrew, you didn't think I'd leave you just at Greek, would, would you? The first time it's used in the Bible, and now it's in, in Hebrew in the Hebrew Bible and Greek in the New Testament, but is in 1 Samuel 1.11 when we read about this woman named Hannah who is unable to conceive. So she goes to the temple and she's weeping and she makes a vow to God. I want to read it to you, 1 Samuel 1.11. Hannah made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant, epiblapo though in the Hebrew, and remember me, and don't forget your servant, but will you give to your servant a male child? Then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, no razor shall touch his head. So in this Magnificat, Mary is using this phrase, epiblepo, to look upon the lowliness of your servant. She's The biblical writer and Mary here is, is reminding us of this story way back in first Samuel where a woman had the tenacity to go to God and say, please give me a male child and I'll give him back to you. Now, Hannah means grace, which means tender affection, favor, or mercy. So I think Mary's looking back on that ancestor, that story. And she's saying, this must be what she felt like when Hannah became pregnant. Mary's experiencing the tender affection and mercy of God 
And yes, I agree with my wife, Mary, that her lowest, dark, darkest parts or lowly position is included in the favor that God bestows on her. She's not blessed because she's rich or because she has status. She's blessed even though she doesn't fit the part. She isn't rich or powerful, but she experiences God's favor anyway. Oh, God's blessing, God's, God's tender affection, that God looks at her, turns toward her, gazes at her. Oh, you guys, this is so amazing. And she was chosen, um, not based on status. So now we see how the Bible even sometimes breaks out of the constraints of its time. And we read something that's unbelievable, that the person who is chosen to bear the Messiah has no status, has no power, um, but in that has ultimate power and ultimate status because she is chosen by God, right? Now, um, there's so much to be said there. But I want to look at the last part of the Magnificat, starting verse 51. Um, So listen to this. She continues, God has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones. He has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. So the first part is very personal, right, about Mary. The next part turns different. It's a, it's a different kind of message. It grows, it expands. So here's the all play question. What is Mary experiencing now when she says, he has brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. What is she experiencing now? Coffee is all gone. Switching to water. She's experiencing a new place in her society, Jenny. Whoo, yes, yes. What else? What do you think? Not often that 14 year olds proclaim that kind of <laughs> message. Uh, Rexanne, what might be the beginning of justice? Yes. What else? She's seeing the world how God sees the world, Danny. Yes. Ah, so good. Bethany, it's almost prophetic worship. Yeah, I think it, it, or sorry, that's, um, oh yeah, from, from Bethany. It's almost prophetic worship. Yes, I agree. From Will, a turning point in the history of the cosmos. Yes. Yes. Bob, the realization that she is truly a part of the new order. Yes. Ah, this is so transcendent. It's amazing that we have it written down, you know? Ah, so good. So good. Um, Hannah, that she's experiencing the full breath of God and needs to exclaim it. You ever felt like that, anybody? that you're experiencing the full breath of God and you need to exclaim it. You need to proclaim it. You need to shout it out. Um, I think you're all 100% right on the money. And, and I wonder a little bit too, 
because both and right. I wonder if it's possible in just a little bit that Mary is falling into the dualistic dualistic trap that God doesn't want to save rich people to. That this beautiful message, this transcendent message that she's receiving is now only for people like her. What if? What if she's just a little bit constrained by the beliefs of her time too? Because I remember a story where Jesus met Zacchaeus, this super, super rich guy. And he met him at his house and he met him as he was. And he called him a son of Israel. I also remember another guy, Joseph of Arimathea, this rich guy that helped bury Jesus. I think it's really important to name that Mary is calling out oppressive systems of power that God does not bless. But I think it's pretty interesting that it's easy for us, even now, to hear a verse like that and then to get people in our minds that aren't deserving of God's epiblepo. You know what I mean, you guys? If Jesus shows us who God is, then God saved, God sent Jesus because he loved the whole world, the whole world, no exclusions there. And yes, the system of richness that oppresses the poor will never be blessed by God. But it's possible that people that were trapped in those systems, that they are also trapped by them and they need to be redeemed as well. Amen. The oppressors need to be redeemed. Um, Hannah, they were trapped in ways that are needed to hear the justice and hope of God. Yes, yes, yes. Bob, three lakes in the BWC, shout for absolute joy, being so far away from the pressures of living. Okay, yes. Um, how do you spell epiblepo, Bob? Just, just exactly like that, except for not two Ps, just one uh, in both. So I want to I wrap this, uh, this sermon, sermon, conversation, challenge, whatever it is. I want to wrap it up with three blessings or hopes for me and for you this week. Um, here's number one, that you'll become aware that you yourself are constrained by the belief systems of your own time. And when you do, that you'll look for the more that there is to the story. That you'll become aware of how you're constrained by the belief systems of your time, and so am I. And when you are aware of that, that you'll look for the more in the story. Number two. When you find yourself lost in the place of your own lowliness, darkness, and shame, that you'll somehow experience the tender affection and favor of God in that place. Before you get all cleaned up, before you figure out how to do it better, that you would be met by God in your own place of lowness and that you would experience God turning to you epi style 
and looking at you with favor, grace, and deep affection. Three, that you'll receive your own blessings from God without having to take away the possibility that others, even your enemies, even those who disagree with you, even those who don't deserve it, might also be looked on by God with favor. That you'll receive your own blessings from God without having to take away the possibility that others, even your enemies, even those who disagree with you, even those who don't deserve it, because who does deserve it, might also receive God's epiblepo, God's blessing, God's favor. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscove.org.